0: how about now yes. all right that's what happens when I flip the button the wrong way I guess <laughs> apparently I need retraining in which direction the button is to flip it uh, but it is just wonderful to there's something special about God's people gathering together just to worship the Lord together that uh, I think is so beautiful to the Lord and uh, it should be and is so precious to us amen um, Before we jump into the message uh, today, I want to share just a couple of pastoral words on what's going on in Israel with the Israel-Hamas war, and uh, there's just a couple of small thoughts here, and um, I hope that uh, it will maybe encourage uh, you today. But God's heart is, you know, God's heart is grieved by all violence and loss of life. And so we should be grieved by the horror that we've seen unleashed in Israel and Palestine over these past eight days. Moments like these are a stark and terrible reminder that our world is still broken, right? Uh, Our hope is not in the capacity of humans to create a better world, but in the faithfulness of God to renew the whole of creation according to his righteousness and his goodness. We look forward to the day when every sad thing will become untrue. But for today, we mourn with those who mourn and we cry out to the sovereign God for his mercy and for his help, trusting that the judge of all the earth will in fact do what is right. Let me give you a couple of thoughts on what we can do as Christians who are living far away from what's happening there. So the first and most important thing we can do is we can be praying. Uh, We should be praying for grace and comfort for everyone who's experienced the unspeakable loss and horrors of the past eight days. Uh, We can pray for peace and security to quickly be established in that region. And we should be praying for the church in Israel and Palestine for protection, for provision, and for their public witness in this moment. You can give to a reputable relief organization who is on the ground serving uh, people in Israel and in Gaza. Finally, I would encourage you that we should guard our hearts. To feel deeply in these moments is natural and normal. Emotions like anger and fear can be especially strong, and that's okay. However, don't let anger and fear take root in your soul as they will produce hate, bitterness, strife, and division if they are left unchecked. You know, the scripture that I felt God put on my heart to share with you this morning is found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 8. And Paul writes, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, I found myself, I was saying to the prayer team earlier that I found myself this week um, it being, finding it difficult to not be focused on the horrors of what's happening on the other side of, of the earth. And certainly I'm not in, in any way suggesting that we should close our eyes to it or bury our heads in, in, in the sand. And yet, uh, as Christians, I think moments like these are an invitation to focus our attention on the God who is in all and who is above all, who is at work even in ways in which we don't see, that we trust him, that he is good and that he is faithful and that he will bring about his plans and his purposes in accordance with his own wisdom and his own righteousness. Let's pray. Father, we just give you glory and honor today as we fix our attention on you, that you are wonderful, that you are mighty, that you are in all, that you are above all. We pray right now for all that is happening in Israel. We pray for every family that has been so crushed by loss and violence and destruction and death. We ask that you would be near to them as you are always near to the brokenhearted that you would minister grace and peace and comfort in this moment in ways that only you can. We ask that you would uh, intervene in that whole situation in that area of the world that peace and security would come quickly. And we pray for our brothers and sisters, the church in Israel and in Palestine. We ask that your presence would be near that the moving of your spirit would be evident. We ask that you would provide for them. We ask that you would protect them. We ask that you would help them as they seek to be your ministers wherever they are. That they would be ministers of your life in this moment. That we thank you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. right so over the past few weeks here we have been looking at the power of an encounter we do this because we are a church that values the presence of God and we understand that just one moment of encountering God's presence and power can bring us into new levels of freedom and victory and purpose it only takes one encounter with God's presence and power to change your life. Just one. Just takes one, one moment with him. How many of you have ever encountered a celebrity? A few of you? So a number of years ago, I'm going to tell a story about my wife because she's not here today. A number of years ago, we were in New York City and uh, there was this uh, there was a little cafe called Serendipity that um, she wanted to, to visit. And so we go over to the area and there was kind of a, there was a, a lineup to get in. And so we had to kind of put our name in and then we were waiting outside. And as we were waiting outside, this uh, black SUV pulls up and this big, huge, hulking man gets out of the SUV and he opens up a door and Tom Cruise gets out of this vehicle. And when I tell you that my wife turned into a like 13-year-old fangirl as Tom Cruise made his way through the crowd and literally right by my wife, that when they locked eyes, and my wife said to Tom Cruise, hi. <laughs> And he said hello, and he went into the, to the cafe. He didn't have to put his name in and wait, I'll add. We did, but there for some reason, there was no waiting for Tom Cruise. You know, you might have this encounter with a celebrity, but as exciting as that moment may be, it never actually results in anything lasting, right? It's like, it's here, it's a moment, it was fun, you laugh, you whatever, and, but that's kind of it, and it's a memory, but it doesn't, rarely do those moments impact us, right? But when you encounter God, what He does in that moment of encounter is something that remains, something that is lasting. So last week, Marisa shared with us the first Uh, the first four of seven characteristics of an encounter with God, and we saw that Jesus initiates the encounter, that he answers questions we didn't even realize we had, that he identifies our brokenness, and that he reveals truth. So today we're going to look at the last three characteristics of an encounter, that is that an encounter unlocks your voice, that it impacts others, and that it leads to someone else's encounter. The verse that, uh, or the the passage that Marisa um, shared with us last week is found in John chapter 4, and it is when Jesus encounters this Samaritan woman at a well. And I'm not going to read the whole story for you today for the sake of time. Marisa read most of it last week, but just for the sake of review, the scripture tells us that Jesus was in Judea and that he left Judea to go towards Galilee. And the scripture actually says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. He said he had to go through Samaria. Interesting thing here is that geographically speaking, no, he didn't. That there were in fact roads that a person could take From Judea to Galilee that wouldn't lead through Samaria. In fact that would have been the route that most Jews would have taken because Jews and Samaritans didn't get along and they normally avoided each other. And so when the Scripture tells us that Jesus had to go to Samaria it wasn't because the GPS required it. It was because God required it. It was because Jesus was a man on a mission that that particular day his mission was sending him to Samaria. Why? Because he needed to encounter someone in that place. And so Jesus shows up at this well, says it's around lunchtime, around noon, and he sits down. And then this woman comes by and she begins to draw water from the well. And so Jesus says to her, "Uh, would you give me a drink? And so she responds to him and says, it's kind of weird, Jesus, that you are you are Jewish and a man, and that you're here having a conversation with, with with me and um and so they engage in this kind of back and forth about the water that's being served from the well and the water that Jesus himself is offering this woman at one point, Jesus says to her. Um, Why don't you go and get your husband and come back? And she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you're right. You don't have a husband. In fact, you've had five husbands. And the man that you are currently with is not your husband. To which the Samaritan woman replies, perceptively, I perceive that you are a prophet. Yeah. Yeah. Right? (laughs) It's always easy to identify a prophet when they read your mail, right? Right? And so, she ends up, uh, after this exchange, this woman ends up going back into her town. And she says, um, well, first of all, she says, she asks Jesus a question about worship and about where worship is supposed to happen. And at the end of the conversation, she makes this comment about understanding that the Messiah is going to come. And that he'll set everything right, to which Jesus replies and says, here I am, essentially. And she goes back into town and she says, you got to see this guy that I was just talking with at the well. He told me, like everything about me, could this be the Messiah? Which I think is interesting because she's still not sure. And yet she goes back and she says, you got to come see this guy. And so a number of the Samaritan people, they came out to see Jesus and he taught them and he talked with them and he ministered to them and they invited him to stay for a couple of days and so he did. And at the end of everything, many Samaritans believed in Jesus. And at the very end, and we're going to read this today, the Samaritans number of the people in the community were left saying to this Samaritan woman listen initially when you first told us about this Jesus we were intrigued by him because of what you had told us that he had told you everything about yourself that he had this prophetic insight and that was intriguing to us and so we came out to see him but now having encountered him for ourselves we believe not because of what you said, but because what we have seen, what we have heard, what we have encountered. So from this story, let me give you the last three of our characteristics of an encounter with God, which is to say, this is what happens when you encounter Jesus. The first is that an encounter with God unlocks your voice. That an encounter with God unlocks your voice in john chapter 4 verses 28 and 29 it says then leaving her water jar the woman went back to the town and said to the people come see a man who told me everything that i ever did could this be the messiah listen you have a story that somebody else needs to hear It's through encounters with God that we begin to see how our own story fits in to God's story of redemption and renewal. Because when you encounter God, He takes those pieces of our story that seem to be tragic. And in some respects they are. But because He is the God who redeems, who heals, and who restores, He's able to take those things in our lives which previously were simply harmful, hurtful, negative memories, and he's able to take those elements of our story and weave them into his own story of love and of redemption and of restoration into our lives, and we begin to see how God takes all the things, the good and the bad, the ups and the downs, the victories and the defeats, and he's able to Take all of it and make it a part of the beautiful story that he is writing in your life. In which he calls us to to enter. Your life story bears witness to God's power, goodness, and faithfulness. Not just the good parts. I will tell you that, um, I will tell you that, I have, as all of you have, I have experienced some defeats and some valleys in my life. And I will tell you that I have met God in the bottom of a valley in ways that I have never encountered Him on the top of a mountain. Now I'm grateful for the victories and I want more of them. And I'm grateful for the mountaintops and I want to stay there longer. But the valley seasons in our lives are a part of our story because these present us with moments of encountering God's mercy and his compassion and his love and his grace and his comfort and his presence that are unique at times to those moments. And your life bears witness to that. Listen, when we live out of a place of fear or shame, we'll allow our voice to be silenced and we will deny someone the opportunity to be encouraged and inspired by your story. When you find yourself feeling like you're stuck and you're in a place that you, know, you wanted to get out of, right? Um, oftentimes, there will come lies that will bring fear, that will bring shame, that will bring guilt. And those can serve to have a number of bad side effects in our lives. But one of them is, is they keep us silent. They silence our voice that should bear witness to God's power and goodness and faithfulness even in the moments that we are waiting to get out of. And so an encounter with God will unlock your voice. This woman at the well who had been with five men and was now living with a man doesn't strike me as the kind of woman that would be boldly telling her story to the community. In fact, there's probably a reason why she's at the well when nobody else is. But something happened when she encountered Jesus that unlocked her voice. And so when you encounter him, he will unlock your voice because somebody else needs to hear your story. The second thing is that an encounter with God impacts others. An encounter with God impacts others. In John four thirty-nine to 41, it says that many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony in which she said he told me everything I ever did so when the Samaritans came to him they urged him to stay with them and he stayed for two days and because of his words many more became believers so an encounter with God ends up impacting on other people in Acts um, 4.13 we see Peter and John they have God's done a miracle through them to heal this particular man. And some of the religious leaders, they bring them in and they're kind of rebuking them and challenging them about talking about this Jesus. And in Acts 4.13, it says that when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. And it starts off with, they saw the courage of Peter and John. See, when you encounter God, it changes you. It changes the way that you're thinking it changes the way that you are talking it changes the way that you are living and that becomes visible to others becomes visible to others and people start wondering what's what's going on with you what's what's your secret how can you be so strong when the with the difficulties that you're facing or how can you be so full of hope when seems to be so hopeless or how can you have joy in a particular moment or whatever it, it, it is? People see that. they take note of that. Um, I remember years ago uh, having gone through just a difficult season in my own life and um, you know it was interesting. What I find interesting is that uh, usually we are, usually we have a tendency to see our weaknesses before our strengths or to see the lack before we see the things that are going well, right? I'm chatting with a, a good friend of mine and uh, he says to me, he says, man, he was aware of kind of everything that I'd been going through, and he says, "Man, Jeff, I've been so impressed at how you've kind of navigated this season, and your, you know, you've kept your attitude good, and your heart's been good, and you know, you haven't entered into, you know, some of the anger and the gossip that maybe others, you know, I'm sure was tempting or whatever it, it was." And I remember sitting there, and I and I said to him, "I said, I really appreciate that." I said, "You've not, you know." you've not seen me in all the moments, right? <laughs> and Because and, I, I, I immediately get drawn to, I know me. I live with me. And um, I know what's been going on in my heart. I know what's been going on in my mind. I know the, the battle that I've been engaged with. And I know it always hasn't been a model of pure strength and determination and victory and righteousness and, and, and goodness. And yet the reality is, is that in my heart, I had wanted, I wanted to please God. I I, I wanted to live my life in a way that was honoring to Him. And God was faithful, and by His grace, He helped me. And that was visible to others. I wasn't trying to put on, like, a a show, right? Or to, or, or, or to be fake. And yet it occurred to me in that moment that while I, was keenly aware of my own struggle and the tension and the conflict within my soul that God had done something in me that to other people they saw something that was praiseworthy and I was grateful for that but it was a lesson to me of how when you encounter God that somehow people take notice of that that they see that. In 1 Peter 3, 15, it says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. The point that I want to make here is simply that uh, that why does somebody come and ask you to explain the hope that you live with? Because they see it. People only ask you about the things that they hear and see. And so when somebody comes to you and they want you to give an explanation about the hope that you have, it's because they have seen it and heard it in you. And it's impacting on them, it impacts people. The Holy Spirit uses that to stir something within their own heart. The reason why the reason why uh, Jewish people avoided Samaritans wasn't simply because there was a l- long history of conflict, there was. But because of the Jewish perspective on the Samaritans, there was the belief that the Samaritans were unclean. And interacting, and so in the Jewish system of worship, things that were unclean were transferable from the thing that was unclean to the person who touched it. And so we are to avoid everything that is unclean because it's uncleanness, it's impurity is contagious. And if I touch it, or if I touch it, then I will catch that uncleanness. When to see this. Why does Jesus go out to a Samaritan woman. Why does Jesus touch the leper? Because for him, the the impurity and the uncleanness of the people around him was not transferable. He was immune to its effects. Furthermore, the righteousness of Jesus The goodness of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, the love of Jesus was transferable to those who need it and who were without it. Jesus reversed the transference of cleanness or uncleanness so that he was immune, but Others were were able to catch. He was able to, through the touch of his hand, through his voice, transfer his own holiness, his own purity, his own goodness, his own righteousness to those who needed it. Now, I'm not suggesting that we be careless with our interactions with the sinful world because, like, I'm immune. Right? But I am saying this we don't need to avoid those who are in the world, in our families, in our neighborhoods, where we work, play, whatever. We don't need to avoid people because we're afraid of getting too close. I might catch what they have. No, no, if you are in Christ, then you should get close because they might catch what you have. Because when you have an encounter with God, it produces something in you that impacts the world around you. And we are called to be a people of impact, of influence. If you are in Christ, then the world needs what is in you. So an encounter with God impacts others. Finally, the third point here, is that an encounter with God leads to someone else's encounter. This is just taking the previous point one step further. An encounter with God leads to someone else's encounter. In John four forty two, 42, uh, this is the people from the village. They say to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. They encounter Jesus because this Samaritan woman encountered Jesus. In John 1, verses 40 to 42, it tells us that Andrew, who is Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that, who heard what John had said and followed Jesus. So, there was this moment where John the Baptist was with his, was with his disciples, and Jesus goes walking by somewhere nearby and John points out to his disciples there goes the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There goes the Lamb of God. And it said that some of his disciples, they left John and they went to follow Jesus. It tells us that um, that uh, one of those men, his name is Andrew. And so he was one of those two who heard what John said and then he went and followed Jesus the first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him we have found the Messiah that is the Christ and he brought him to Jesus and Jesus looked at him and said you are Simon son of John you will be called Cephas now whenever you see God or whenever there's a name change in the scripture this is an important moment Names don't mean very much to us today, but in the ancient, in the time of the Scriptures, in the Old Testament and in the New, our name said something about our character and our name said something about our destiny. And so Andrew encounters Jesus. He goes and he finds his brother Simon and he says to him, I think I have found the Messiah. You should come and see him. And when he comes and he sees him, in one moment, Jesus changes his name, which is to say that he changed his character and he changed his destiny. So when you encounter God, it will lead to someone else's encounter. Again, you and I become carriers of something. Because what what God has given you, you can give it away. In fact, Jesus said this to his disciples, he said, freely you have received, now freely give. So when you have truly encountered God and you have received something from Him, what you possess, you can give away. What you own, you can distribute. So an encounter with God, it unlocks your voice. It impacts others and it leads to someone else's encounter. Listen, we've been talking about this these past three weeks simply because this church is built on a foundation of valuing God's presence. That we are a church that values the power of God's presence. This has been a part of our church from day one is that's the kind of church that we are. Now I get it, I'm new here. (laughs) But this is not something that we plan to shift away from. In fact, our heart, our desire is that we lean into, that we lean into this foundational value in our church that we're a church that values the power of God's presence. That we recognize that it takes just a moment in God's presence. It just takes a word spoken by His Spirit that brings life, that brings freedom, that brings victory. I'm sure that many of you have had this experience before, but in uh, doing what I do, I have the privilege of speaking to lots of people that are going through sometimes some difficult circumstances and maybe wrestling with certain you know, temptations and sins and things like that. Here's, here's, what I've, here's an experience that I have had over my 25 years of serving in church leadership many, 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 many a time. I wouldn't be able to count it. And that is that I have a conversation with something about something, someone, about something that I see in their life that I'm concerned about that. And so I just, I want to ask, I want to find out a little bit more. Maybe I want to give a little bit of warning or maybe encourage you to, you know, see um, what God's will is here. and, And I have the conversation and then you know nothing seems to change i continue to be concerned and so i have the conversation again and then i have the conversation again and then i have the conversation again with that person and then one day that person comes up to me and they and they say to me i had this i was in worship yesterday and i had this moment where god spoke to me and he told me that i should do this and i'm like that's what i've been saying <laughs> And it just reminds me of this reality. That it only takes one moment with God. One moment to hear His voice. And that what He can do in your life is far more than we can ever accomplish on our own. That's why it is so, honestly, this is why it is so important to me. This is why it is my prayer every single week as I'm praying about and preparing and thinking about our weekend services here, uh, honestly, the, the, my own personal mission statement for every Sunday morning is simply this, that I owe you an encounter with God. Amen. And so through our worship, when our worship team is leading and through my own preparation for preaching the the, the, the message however I feel led to deliver it what is on my heart is I want to bring us into a place where we can encounter God through His Word through worship by His Spirit because here's what I have learned I'm no big deal honestly it's not false I'm not trying to anything I'm no big deal neither are you But if we can touch the hem of His garment, if we can simply have a moment in His presence, what God can do in just one moment can change you and I. And the deposit of that encounter is something that you carry with you into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and beyond. You bring it to your family. You bring it to your friends. You bring it to the place where you work. To a world that is lost and is looking for meaning. Is looking for hope. Is looking for understanding. You own that because it is the gift of God that has been given to you through encounter. And now as you have freely received you are free to give away what God has deposited into you by his spirit in a moment of encounter now the invitation is to become a people that values God's presence every day see this isn't to say, I'm not trying to set something up here where it's like every single day when you open up your Bible to have your devotions or you pray that it should be some sort of dramatic encounter. I mean maybe that might be your experience but it's not mine. My, but, but my experience has been this, is that the more I put myself into God's presence, the more He is at work little by little, moment by moment, and Listen, sometimes he shows up in a way that is totally unexpected. I remember one day I'm reading my Bible and uh, I'm reading in the Psalms. And I get to this verse. it wasn't even on my mind. I get to this verse. I think it's in Psalms 27. And it says, uh, David says this. He says that... Um, I have set the Lord before me because he is at my right hand I will not be shaken. I read this verse a number of times before it's not even as I say it not necessarily an earth-shattering voice but I tell you that in that moment of having an ordinary time of just with God that the Spirit of God did something in my heart that this is the only time in my entire life this has ever happened I literally gasped when I read it out loud I was by myself and I went (gasps) it was like the Spirit of God took my breath away at this revelation that God was with me and that He was my defender who was there with me in whatever battles that I was experiencing I wasn't looking for that moment I wasn't crying out to God for it I was simply present I was just simply coming before God to read my Bible and to spend some time in his presence. But my coming to him paved the way. It opened the door. It set the table. It set the environment where Jesus was able to do something in that moment that was impactful for for, for me. It changed me. It did deposited something in my spirit. And so my prayer is, is that we would be a church full of people, men, women, young, old, we love God's presence, we value God's presence, we realize that we need God's presence, that it is the only thing that will make a difference in our lives. It is the only thing that will separate us from any and every other group, community, that's on the face of the planet, and that you have access to it every day. You have a standing invitation From the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to approach his throne with confidence. So come on, don't don't miss the opportunity. If you want to have FOMO, (laughs) then fear what you might miss out on if you don't present yourself before God's presence today nah, I'm kind of tongue in cheek God's good and he's merciful right but come on let's not be casual and careless about the opportunity and the invitation that we have to come to God's presence so that we may encounter him and I want to encourage you uh, just in closing here um, that uh, we have this encounter it's coming up this coming weekend Uh, you don't need to come to a thing like this in order to encounter God He knows your address and He can find you wherever you are but I will tell you that there is also something that is special about gathering together for a focused time of pursuing God's presence and pursuing an encounter from Him and I've encountered Him on my own and I've encountered Him with others both should be things that we desire, right? So I encourage you, pull your phone out, scan the the QR code there, and let us know that you're planning on coming this coming weekend. And we're going to be believing God that we're going to have a life-changing time of encountering God together. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning? let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this time today in your presence. We thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for your glory, for your presence here. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you have, uh, that you decided that from the very beginning, that this church would be a church that values your presence, that loves your presence, that we have been, uh, that we have been, you've made us aware that we need you, that we need your presence. We thank you that you give us an invitation every day is an opportunity for us to approach the throne of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and to do it with confidence, knowing that we will never be rejected, but that you will always receive us because you love us. So Father, I pray that you would raise up in this very room a church full of people, men and women, young and old, who love your presence. Who value your presence, and who are in pursuit of as a lifestyle coming to your throne. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would encounter us in a powerful way. That when we draw near at home, that your presence would encounter us. That when we come collectively, even this coming weekend, to a mini-encounter weekend, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would encounter us because we need you. And the world needs the deposit that you would place within us. And we thank you for it in your precious name. Amen. Amen, amen. Church, we love you. God bless you. Turn around. Find somebody that you've never met before. Say hello to them and have a great day and a great Sunday and we'll see you next week. Down on our knees How can a story told so long ago Echo across the earth to give the nation's hope What is this good news? What is this light? What is this truth and peace that came to us that night? Who is the King of Kings? The Lord of Lords Who is he born to die for?